everyone, it's Nikesha here and welcome to episode 7 of Impact Sprint, Heartbeats and Footprints, our short, sharp series of stories from those early days of the Impact Marathon journey as we lead up to the final races of 2023 in Jordan and in Nepal. Now these stories are evergreen, you don't need to have been to a race, you don't need to be coming to a race to tap into some of the ups and downs of building a social business within the running and travel industries. Now the years have passed and we're approaching our sixth race in Nepal and 2024 will be our seventh race in Guatemala. The journey from vision to reality is complete. Although there is so much more we're looking to achieve as we move into the future. Last time we shared the story of how we went about finding the right team. It turns out the trials and tribulations of monsoon season is the perfect assessment tool. Well, today we're going to leap forward a few months. As I promised you, stories of bureaucracy. Indeed, it's fair to say that we have to navigate all manner of formal meetings, informal meetings, general chit-chat, long letters that go unread, or just being plainly misunderstood. Now, I want to clearly state that this story is in no way designed to undermine or denigrate the people and the processes that make any country run smoothly. Most laws and bylaws have been created for a good reason. And although that reason may not be applicable to our specific situation, that should never mean we show any lack of respect. We're a foreign organization, a British organization, and with that comes history. We must always be cognizant of this history and learn from it. This is one of the key reasons that our goal has always been to put our Nepali team or whichever nation we're working in at the forefront of leading and organizing our events. We're here to be a conduit and a platform. However, it is not always possible to do, especially in the early days. And indeed, the local teams have always been at pains to state that I should be in important meetings as it helps them show that there's a real global reach, vision for these events. I'm still a little torn on this, but I feel I've digressed a bit. The point is, although when I mention bureaucracy, we all roll our eyes and give a knowing smile at the mere mention of the word. That's the case across the world, in every country. But what I found is, there's good people, there's less good people, there's happy people, there's bored people, there's all manner of people who go to work to ensure the smooth running of a community, a project, a department, or in this case, a national park. And sometimes, sometimes, you catch the wrong person on the wrong day, And you react in the wrong way. This was one of those times. So after we'd matched up with the right team and we had a clear vision of where we were going with the race in Nepal, I returned back to the UK. It's not entirely true. I began working on the next two locations, but that's that's the story of another day. We got the wheels in motion to launch the first ever Nepal Impact Marathon. Almost exactly one year to the day after I'd been stood there at the Ugandan embassy announcing the launch of the Uganda Marathon, I was stood at the Nepal embassy in London town announcing the first ever Nepal Impact Marathon. This was a huge moment. And as I spoke, a scheduled email went out to our tiny mailing list of early followers. And before I'd even finished the speech, our first registration was in. Dave Finch. The first person to ever sign up to an Impact Marathon. I'll never forget that name or that brilliant human who inspired so many. 
Over the next few months, we were in a whirlwind of race location scouting, promoting and launching new races and building towards the first event in Nepal. Now, fast forward to October 2016, so a few months in, we've navigated a labyrinth of challenges to find the right location, great community and desired a race route that's nothing short of epic. And by this point, we were just a few weeks away from over 100 international runners joining us in Nepal. The flights were booked, the dates were set, we were ready. Now, when I say this route was epic, it really was spectacular. We'd partnered up with the UN Peacekeeping Centre just near our host village to use their awesome arena as our start finishing line. And we planned out a trail route that was tough, real tough, but immensely rewarding. From the sections that flowed through the village, through the strawberry fields and the trout farms that the village was really famous for, to the Shivapuri National Park route that was filled with technical trails, waterfall crossings and stunning Himalayan views that you could gaze upon as you ran through the jungle of Shivapuri Park. The villagers had walked every step of the way, helping to create it, and due to the magic of GPS watches, now had accurate data as the size of the village for the next time hikers coming through needed to know how far until X point. Now, all we needed was to check that this route was all fine with the National Park, and with recent history of trail events and hiking events, this should simply be a formality. Furthermore, the villagers had the right to request such events due to their role as gatekeepers to the park. So I wrote up a letter, had it translated into Nepali, and headed off with the head of the village hotel association, Leela Tamang. Now, I have amazing stories of Leela. They still make me laugh out loud to this day. He was our greatest advocate in their village, and his restaurant made the best hobat, which is the sort of lentil and rice dish curry that you eat every single day in Nepal, indeed twice a day. Uh, but today, we were neither making or eating dalbat. Leela had come down to Kathmandu to a meeting with the head of the National Park. Before I share this story, please remember we're just two weeks away from the day when our international runners touched down in Kathmandu for the inaugural impact week. Over one year of planning and prepping and marketing and pushing had happened. We were seeing over £100,000 of fundraising coming in. And we just needed to dot an I across a T and keep pressing on. We walked up the steps and were told that the head of the park was now out of the office. This is not an unusual experience. I've spent many an hour sat outside offices for officials only to have them never show up or give me five minutes or tell me to write a letter or tell me to put a different letterhead on the letter or tell me to talk to a totally different person in a totally different department or just to be fully transparent, laugh with me, enjoy our company and sign things off with total joy and appreciation. We've had it all. Now, without the presence of the head of the park, we were ushered into a cubicle just outside his office where another official would handle our permission request. I hadn't even finished sharing who I was and what we did before the official, who at this point hadn't taken his eyes off the screen to look at the letter or fingers off the keyboard to pick it up, just said, running his band in the park. What do you mean? There was an event here just a few months ago. Running is banned in the park. What do you mean? Running events or just running the very activity of running or running? Only walking is allowed. This made no sense. On the way in, we'd just seen a group of runners run out from the gate, smiling and shaking the hand of the army officers there. This made no sense and Leela took over. 
Now, I clearly didn't understand a word of what was said between Leela and the official, but Leela was getting clearly very agitated. I made a move to try and find a resolution, uh, a move to away from the initial shock and incredulity to see if we could find what was really happening. Okay, I said, I mean, did the previous race cause some problems for the park? Running is banned. Noise pollution. Noise pollution. Noise pollution? What? Noise pollution? No. In my hand was the entry fee list for all of the national park permits you can get. I scanned it quickly. No, no. Noise pollution. I can bring in my motorbike for this cost. A motorbike is listed as something I can bring into the national park and you're telling me running is noise pollution? I scan down the list some more. A car. I can bring in my car, but I cannot run because of noise pollution. No, 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 no. What's going on here? There's got to be something we're missing here. Okay, well, what if we tell the runners not to talk? That they have to be silent as they go through the park? Litter pollution. We have a sweeper that clears the trails. These trails have been covered in litter from careless hikers. Trust me, I was out there yesterday. I scouted the route and cleaned it myself. I recommended that we add this to our letter. I promise to do a full litter sweep of all the race and non-race related garbage the day after the race. Would that help? Running is banned inside the park. He'd gone back to his old refrain. We were not coming out of here with a permission slip. I planned a gracious retreat. Leela had other ideas. Look, the villagers are entitled to make such requests. The park entry fees are split equally between the villagers of the park and the army who handle the security. He had every right to make his feelings clear. He had every right to request a level of respect from that official. I didn't, and not have that right. So I sat quietly fuming and still racking my brains to find the solution. And at this time, of course, all the worst case scenarios were running through my head. They were bad thoughts. But these were not options, and there was a solution. There's always a solution. I stood up to leave and offered my hand to the official. He still hadn't really looked away from his screen in the 30 minutes we'd been there. He glanced at my hand and then did the strangest thing, and I still to this day don't know what happened here. He lifted his hand up, but didn't shake mine, stopped a few inches short, and instead he rested his elbow on the desk, and bent his hand over as if he was the queen, expecting a kiss. I was baffled, then enraged, then baffled. I stood there for ten seconds, not moving my hand. He didn't move his hand. Did he want me to kiss his hand? No. No, yes, no, yes. No. Two days later, we were back at the office. The head of the National Park welcomed us into his office and sat us down around a desk. He loved the plan. He was in full support and entirely bought into our vision. This meeting could not have been more different. He said running is not banned inside the park, but he did say there was no provision for running in the bylaws or the entry permit list. So he opened up his book of laws, his big old book of laws, looked down the list and said we could pay a surcharge as running doesn't count as hiking, therefore we can count it as other activities. Now, this did carry a surcharge higher than the motorbike entry, but anyway, this was not the point. Focus on the goal. We can negotiate that sort of thing. At least we were dancing. At least we were in the game. 
everyone was happy. The head of the National Park called out as he wanted a photocopy of this page for us to take away to make sure that we adhered to the bylaws. And our dear friend walked in from the previous meeting, took the book away and returned with the photocopies. Solved. Done. On to the next. Now this story is not unusual. And when I set out to start Impact, we had a clear value. A number one value. Empower everyone. This has sometimes been a tough value to get right. Everyone is an ambitious target. Not everyone is going to love our plans. Not everyone is going to even care about our plans. They may have something on their minds. They may be stressed at home. They may not give two hoots at what is the most important thing in the world to us. So in such situations, I've learned the hard way that it's absolutely essential to press pause on my emotional response and shift to a place of caring. I remember a, a similar meeting in Kenya, and my Kenyan partner managed to keep his cool through three hours of pain. I asked him how. Well, what do we need for that meeting? Just the permission, that's it. We don't need them to buy into this big vision, Nick. We just need the permission. Nothing else matters. So we just focus on that. <laughs> what a beautiful lesson. So many beautiful lessons. The two takeaways are that firstly, we have no idea what is going on in the lives of others, nor do we need to in order to show respect and compassion. If I feel a lack of respect towards me, I better not be even more respectful in return because we're not going to get anywhere when we just return fire with fire. So always go in with a passion to be compassionate. Secondly, be hyper-focused on the required outcome. What is it we actually need? Okay, then nothing else matters. Once we've got our eyes on that, nothing else matters. We just need to do what it needs to be done to satisfy the rules or the laws and anyone who stands to get in trouble if we as impact don't respect those rules. So next time you're in a meeting, there seems to be a stone wall in front of you or a phone call with your bank where you keep being put on hold <laughs> or whatever bureaucracy nightmare you're facing today. Press pause. Good people can also be stuck in frustrating systems far more frequently than that person actually being bad or out to get you. Tomorrow, we're going back to our core topic, how to create a positive impact. This series is to show the various sides of what we do and have to do. And the tough times are always worth it when we get to see true, deep impact. There are hurdles you see, there are hurdles like the one I described today that you barrel straight into without even noticing it was there. You just have to know your goal, truly focus on engaging others around this. And failing that, don't make their day worse because they don't agree with you. That won't empower anyone. Until tomorrow, my friends. <laughs> <laughs>